Hello, and welcome to a new series I've decided to start called, well, I don't know yet. So why don't you guys give me your ideas and send them to at Serial underscore Killing on Instagram or leave me a comment on the Serial Killing, a podcast YouTube page and let me know what you think. So let's jump right in. Horror movie fans such as myself will hear that a movie is based on a true story. A few of them we know, but most, well, we never go on to find out just what that true story is. So this is a new series I'm starting where we will find out exactly what the true story is behind the movies we love. Many of us have seen Wes Craven's 1977 movie, The Hills Have Eyes. And for those who haven't, it's about a regular suburban family leaving Ohio and taking a road trip with their camper to Los Angeles. The family consists of teenaged and older children, a son-in-law, a very young granddaughter, and the family's two German Shepherd dogs. When they stop at a gas station for fuel, the attendant and owner, Fred, warns them to stay on the main road, which of course they pay no heed to, and they wind up crashing off of a desert road. Now, as most horror stories go, the dogs begin to lose it, trying to warn their faithful humans that something bad is about to happen, and one dog even takes off, only to be found mutilated later by one of the teenage boys. The father walks the distance back to the gas station, and of course, it is becoming dark. Fred tells him about his son, Jupiter. And Jupiter has some serious issues. He killed all of the family's farm animals and even his sister. So, Fred beat Jupiter to death with a tire iron and left him up in the hills to die. Only, of course, he doesn't. And Jupiter goes on to meet a twisted, disgusting woman, and together they had three sons, all named Mars, Pluto, and Mercury, and they had one daughter, Ruby. Now, the way that Jupiter provides for his family is to catch unsuspecting traveling people. He kills them, and he feeds the remains to his family. That's right, folks, cannibalism. Now, I really don't want to say any more. Those that have seen it already knows what happens, and those who haven't, well, if you're interested, I don't want to spoil any more of it. But this movie is actually based on the Scottish legend of Alexander Sonny Bean. Alexander was born in the late 14th century in East Lothian, east of Edinburgh in Scotland. He was born into a poor family who were laborers in an agricultural area of the region. His father dug ditches, he did some kind of rough landscaping, he did tanning of hides, but Alexander was not a bit interested in an honest day's work. So his father beat him regularly because he wasn't being, quote, a good son. As he got into his teens, he decided to try to join the workforce to impress his father. 
But alas, he still had a bad attitude toward manual labor, was a natural rebel. He hated following the rules and had no real respect for his superiors. So this led to him not being able to hold a job. So Alexander gave up. He wasn't interested in fitting into society nor its rules. He began seeing a woman named Agnes Douglas. Now, she had a bit of a scandalous reputation herself, and the couple actually had to leave the area because the locals accused Agnes of being a witch, saying she had conjured demons and performed human sacrifices. She was known as Black Agnes Douglas, the Dark Witch of Lothian. So the couple traveled south or southwest through Scotland and mugged anyone that was unfortunate to cross their path. And this is where the legend begins as they say that during this quest, Alexander, who started referring to himself as just Sonny, that he first tasted human meat. Now the entire region knew that they were outlaws, of course, wanted people, so they didn't want to risk just sauntering into villages to use the money or sell the things they had stolen from their victims. This of course made life a little more difficult for the couple, who at times were nearly starving. So Agnes convinces Sonny that cannibalism is the only way that they will survive. The rumor is that Agnes had been eating people far before she ever got with Sonny. They started slow, waiting until they were nearly starving, then catching an unsuspecting person, killing them, but eating only enough so that they could leave the remains to be found and it might look like an animal had attacked the person and killed them. And then they still continued their travels southwest, hiding out when they needed to, continuing to consume people, and they finally stopped on the South Ayrshire coast near Ballantrae. There they found a cave that had an ocean view and decided to call it home. Now during low tide, the entrance was visible, merely a crack in the rocks. But when the tide came in, the entrance was submerged. But on the inside of this cave, the cave path went up at an incline, so it didn't flood completely. Mmm, cozy. Once settled into their new digs, they went back to robbing people, then killing them, bringing the corpse back to the cave, and there they would begin to pickle and preserve the remains and for a time they went undetected they weren't local they were unfamiliar to the people from that area so they were able to go into villages and spend the money they stole from their victims anything stolen that could possibly be identifiable was stowed away in the very back of the cave safe and sound also, Sonny Bean and Agnes began to have children, 14 in total, 8 boys and 6 girls to be exact, and all were raised in this crime-ridden, cannibalistic lifestyle, never knowing anything different. 
And as the children got older, their parents brought them into the fold. The family began to hunt together in larger groups to both increase their loot from robbing people, but also their food. Sonny found his life so fulfilling that he urged his own children to breed amongst each other so that they could reproduce and thus Sonny would have an army. The incest between their children then produced 18 grandsons and 14 granddaughters. The total number of family members was now at a whopping 48. Now remember that, 48. Now of course, with this many mouths to feed, people began to talk and take notice. So it had been now 25 years since they moved into the cave and began having children and grandchildren. Within that 25 years, the rumor was that over 1,000 people had gone missing. Now, of course, there were theories, and this is medieval times. One of the theories was that the innkeepers were robbing and killing people who sought out lodging, and this theory was so widely believed that many innkeepers abandoned their businesses and moved away. They became terrified that their local communities would come after them. Another theory was that there lived a wild and bloodthirsty animal in the surrounding woods of the villages. Scottish folklore speaks of the red caps, which are these evil kind of troll-looking creatures. Some liken them to an Irish leprechaun. They have a nasty habit of killing travelers who stray too far from home along the border between Scotland and England. Once they've killed, they stain their hat with the blood of their victim. The catch is, is that they have to kill pretty often because for whatever reason, and a reason I couldn't find, they cannot let the blood in their hats become dry. Another mythical creature that the villagers thought might be responsible was the Kelpie. The Kelpies were a shape-shifting water spirit, often taking the shape of a horse. It resided in the rivers and the streams. The Kelpies would first appear as a tame horse, like a beautiful horse beside the water, and was especially attractive to children. But if you got on its back, you could not get off. The Kelpie would then simply walk into the water, dragging the person with them, and then would eat them. Sometimes the Kelpie could appear to be a beautiful young woman who would then lure men to their death. So sometime around the year 1430, the inbred Bean family split up into smaller groups one night and decided to go out hunting. One of the groups saw a husband and wife who had been at a local fair. The couple were on horseback riding together on the same horse. So the Sawney group decided to strike, but much to their surprise, the man was not going to just give up. He had with him a sword and a pistol, and he was able to fend them off. 
of him. His wife, riding with him, however, was not so lucky. They ripped her down and murdered her right then and there and began to eat her where she lay. Fortunately for that man, a large group of people who also had been at the fair happened to be on the road and saw the commotion. They came to the aid of the man and the cannibal family scattered and ran back to their cave. Once word of this got back to the authorities, King James II of Scotland was notified. He then deployed over 400 of his army men, including himself, as well as many dogs, bloodhounds to be sure, to find this inbred cannibalistic family. It didn't take long for the dogs to catch the scent and traced it back to their cave. There, the men could smell the rotting and decaying flesh of these corpses, which were strewn everywhere. I mean, some body parts were hanging to dry. The men also found a lot of stolen priceless items just strewn about on the floor. Sonny Bean and his clan surrendered without incident. 46 of them in total were captured, tied up, and taken back north to Edinburgh for execution. The men were slaughtered and the women and children were made to watch. Then, as they were tied to stakes, they were set on fire. It is interesting to note that it has been said not one of them showed any remorse or fear, that they actually instead chose to scream obscenities at their executioners as well as the crowd. Sonny Bean himself was said to be shouting over and over, quote, it isn't over, it will never be over, unquote. So after the family was dispatched, men went back to search through the cave again. Amongst the jewelry and other stuff, they found a journal. Now, thinking nothing of it, they scooped up everything else that was left. They took it back to King James, where he locked it all away in a vault. However, someone got in there and read that journal, and they found that not all of the Bean family had been captured. Two were missing. Remember, there was 48 family members, and only 46 were captured. But people stopped going missing in that region, and it was assumed that the two most likely had died before the family had been caught. Others say they weren't dead, but in fact, they laid low, continued to inbreed, kept their number small, and continue to practice their cannibalism to this day. The cave is located in Benane Head, and I recommend looking for Sonny Bean's cave on YouTube as there are several videos of the actual cave. And thanks so much for listening. Please drop a comment or a message on Instagram at serial underscore killing. Let me know what you think I should call this series. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Music by Kevin MacLeod on Incompetech.com.